What's up, you'll hear it. Hey, this is Bob Deboo, the host of the Upright Citizens podcast. Got a question for you. How would you like to get inside the mind of one of the most recorded musicians of all time? Well, here's your chance. The legendary bassist Ron Carter will join the Open Studio community on June 14th for an exclusive one-time-only live mentor session. You don't want to miss this. To learn the secrets to the maestro's iconic sound, gain insights to his unique musical mind in real time, pick his brain on his illustrious career, and get answers that'll propel your music to new heights. Join today and unlock your free 14-day trial at openstudiojazz.com. Then you'll be able to not only join the maestro in this exclusive conversation, but dig into his brilliant course, Blueprint for Jazz Bass, and so much more. So sign up now. Peace. Hey, Adam. Yes? Who are some of your favorite navigators? Um, well, there's good old uh, Chris Columbus. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's kind of controversial, though. Very yeah. much so. What um, about Magellan? Magellan was good. Are you Jellin? Uh, buddy, I'm always Jellin. Like a felon. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. And I got to tell you, Adam has a very smart and smug look on his face. Witty banter, my friend. <laughs> he wittied the witty, the witty, the banter. He got he came back at me. I tried to throw him a curveball and he hit that sucker. You know, we get about 75, 25 witty, cringy banter That's comments. Right. Yeah, but yeah. We're, hey, that adds up to 100%. So, you know. <laughs> As I said before, man, it's part of our sound. That's right. That's right. Today's episode is sponsored by the Oxford American. The Oxford American is a magazine dedicated to documenting the complexity, vitality, and warmth of the American South. Its award-winning annual music issue comes with a CD sampler and a digital download. It's a must-have for any serious music fans. Recent issues have featured Nina Simone, Thelonious Monk, John Cage, and John Coltrane. How's that for a nice little eclectic mix of master musicians? I like it. Yeah. Visit OxfordAmerican.org slash YHI today. That's OxfordAmerican.org forward slash YHI. Yeah, yeah, Oxford American. Check That's it right. out. Day two of our wonderful sponsorship and association with this great organization out of Little Rock, um, Arkansas, just down the road, quite a bit down the road from us, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but due south of here. Wonderful people. Legit. So right. today we're talking about seven crucial details for navigating core changes. Mm. You know, these are things that um, keep coming up in emails and, and questions to us. And these are also some things I see a little bit of confusion on. Um, and, and before we get deep into this, there's, yep. there's more than one way to skin a cat. You know, this isn't the only way to do everything, but I just wanted to, to kind of clarify some of these things for people who might not know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and when we say there's more than one, that's always been an interesting little turn of phrase. Yeah, you can like, start is at there the really? Feet, <laughs> you can start at the tail. <laughs> there might be more than one way, but why would we have to even think about that? Don't why worry why about bring it. that into the vernacular? <laughs> when was the last time someone. Oh, never mind. Uh, so let's deal with number one the Phrygian scale on a 3 6 2 5. You know now, what I'm saying? No, I do not know <laughs> what you're saying. So I, I'm very interested in it. I'm familiar with the Phrygian and I'm familiar with the 3 6 2 5. So interested to hear about this. So a lot of folks, when they, they see a 3 6 2 5, let's say we're in the key of C, right? You have E minor 7, A7, D minor 7, G7 yep. to C. The E minor 7 often is played as a Dorian scale, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I, I do it, but it can be and sometimes should be 
played as a Phrygian scale, which is the third uh, scale degree of C, yep. starting on E, all white keys. So that's e, diatonic C major, basically. Right. So exactly. So and you can almost think of it as like a C major seven over an E sometimes, or you could think about it as a Phrygian sound, an E minor seven, with that natural F uh, and a natural C, right? Because mm. you know C sharp in the key of C sometimes doesn't sound that great. I mean, it's a, it's a way to go out of the changes if yep. you want to use the 3-6, but I think there are definitely instances, especially when you're dealing with like playing a melody yep. that is in the key of C, um, and you put in like a big F sharp or, you know, God forbid, a C sharp in yeah, there. Yeah, it can be a little... It can be clashy. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I like it. And I think it's almost, you know, you could think about it, a couple things, sounds, as you said it, I realized I do play that. I never thought about it like that. Yeah, yeah. I might think about it a little bit, almost like an F major... Seven or F major over E. Interesting. I thought about that melodically, yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly. I could see that. But also, it's like a little bit of foreshadowing, too, since it's diatonically the same as C major, which is where we're going. Right. It's almost like foreshadowing. And you might think, oh, it's too early to go there. But you hit on that over the E because we know that we have two dominant chords, the A7 and the G7, coming up soon, that there's going to likely be some tension in. And we're, we have some other areas we go to. So it's almost like you're starting more in C major than you would if you use the E Dorian, right? That's exactly right. So next time you're playing a 3-6-2-5, let's say you're playing in, in B flat and you play a D minor 7, try not to play, like, like practice not playing D minor 9 with mm -hmm. a natural E, but play an actual D minor 7 chord with basically a B flat major scale, you know, the Phrygian scale starting on the third degree, yep. and use those tones. You're going to find yourself sticking in the key a little more like it's going to sound more diatonic yeah yeah but i think it's a good thing because you're right about you've got a great place to go with that dominant situation going next exactly so, so it's and all then, and we always talking about this it's like it's all about the progression it's never what do we play and i love how you have this as you're, we're nav navigating chord changes which is progression it's not right. just a static situation and think about this too that's not to say you can never use the dorian in a three three chord three six two five uh, but if you set it up diatonically, and then maybe the next time around mm. you hit that natural nine chord, now you've you've created some contrast. Like yep. you set your listener up for something they're expecting straight down the middle, yep. and then you've taken out of the key for just a second. A little harmonic syncopation, could we call that? Well, I think you just invented a term. <laughs> but yeah. So anyway, that's number one: the Phrygian scale on a three chord of a three six two five. Nice, I like it. Okay, number two, we've got. One blue scale, please. That's right. Or is it one blue scale, please? <laughs> it's uh, uh, one blue scale, please. <laughs> Take one blue scale to go. Okay, so this is that, um, you know, there, there's there's almost countless, as in potentially any chord progression this could work on. Long, short, uh, ending, beginning, middle of, that we take the blue scale, and this is almost always going to be in the key that we're actually in or that we're going to. Mm -hmm. That would be your blue scale. Um, we've done many diatribes on don't switch blue scale to every chord you go to on a blues. So, But this would mean that no matter what the complexity of the chord changes, that you would be using the blues scale to kind of center things in that tonic blues area. Yep. And this is not only on a blues. In nope. fact, some of its most effective use, I think, is, is on you know bebop or more esoteric changes or a lot of different situations. Practically anything. Practically anything. Yeah. Th this one probably is the most flexible out of all of them, wouldn't you say? Agreed. Because like number one was really specifically 36251. This could be over a 36251. And, and it's kind of a form of foreshadowing, I think, in a way, especially Especially when you start your phrase with with the actual changes or whatever mm -hmm. kind of straight down the middle and then you switch over to the blue scale of the chord that you haven't gotten to yet right like it's the ending it's the of one the ton of, yeah if you hit the two chord and it's a d minor seven in the key of c you're not going to play the d blue scale no no yeah but well, you could play the c blue scale 
if yep. that's where you're going. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like you're shifting things. So there's a there's a certain down homeness to it because it, gets, it has that blues connotation, of course, um, used correctly. But it also has that like, you know, out of a little bit out of harmonic balance because you're not there yet and it's not over the actual chords you're playing. Yeah. But melodically and blues and rhythmically, you're pulling it together. It's so strong. It yeah. kind of trumps everything at a certain That's right. point. Yeah. That's right. Don't ever use that word again. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Number three is the dual uses of the diminished scale. So mm. uh, we talk about the half whole diminished scale and the whole half diminished scale. Mm. And I see some confusion sometimes when people um, play these. Mm -hmm. so <laughs> the easiest thing to remember. So let's say we're in the key of C. On a C7 flat nine chord, yeah. half whole, right? On a C diminished, mm. whole half. That's it. Th those are the two primary uses for the diminished scales. There's they go together like Kranich and Bach. Yeah, the whole, the half whole goes on dominant, like Kranich and Bach. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we just played it on. <laughs> I know, I know. The half hole goes on dominant chords, usually yep. dominant um, flat nine natural 13s. Yes. Right? And the whole half goes on straight up diminished seven chords. Right. That's, that's it. And the confusing thing about that is it's called the diminished scale, but only one of them is actually over a diminished chord. That's right. Yeah, that always confused me. But I actually use the other one more. Yeah. You know, usually. Yep. Um, and they're actually the same. I mean, if like you think about the three different yeah. ones of each, and then diatonically shifting down, or or really going through the through the uh, diminished cycle. Yeah. I mean, there's only three of them, and they overlap. But don't be playing the half hole, the C half hole over a C diminished. Come hole. on, don't, man. Don't be doing that. Come on. We're gonna start a new segment called "Come On, Man." Oh, <laughs> somebody did that on the show. Yeah, but but we're gonna feature people that do things like that. Come on. All right. Uh, so the next one, number four. Number four, um, uh, dominant seventh sus. That's dominant, not minor. Ah. Okay. Uh, I don't understand this one. <laughs> so if you have D7 sus, yeah. what scale goes with that? It's not a Dorian scale. It is not a Dorian. It's a, oh, not usually. Oh, yeah, says, I guess it's minor 11. If it says more. D minor 7 sus 4, maybe. Is that, is that even the no, thing? No, never exactly. It. But it, right. like, I'm talking about like Maiden Voyage, right? Right, right. Yeah, your default on this should be towards um, major 3rd, you, but but you're playing off of the 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 du kind of duality between the fourth and the third, that leading tone back and forth. Exactly, right? exactly. But it's not straight up. It's not a minor It's not a minor, scale no. At all. And I mean, probably the only time you'd put the minor would either be passing or maybe when you're using the, the one blue scale kind of thing within the, maybe people get confused because of that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. like if it's D7 sus, I straight up think, you know, that's mixolydian, that's dominant right. scale. Absolutely. But you're playing with that, like you said, with that fourth. But nothing sounds better actually to me than like play it F sharp. Yeah. I'm talking about that that, that four three and whether you put it on top. Totally. Uh, number five. I would just say just real quick about that too. What I realize some people's confusion on that might be that people write they want that minor sus sound, which is really I mean it doesn't matter what you call it, but I would say that's more of the minor eleven because it has the fourth, you yeah. know, or the eleventh on there. But that's kind of a little bit of a different sound. They can be played you know close to each other but they do have a different sound yeah i think if, if that's major. what you want you have to somehow signify that it's minor exactly you can't just put like d7 sus4 and expect people to play and they're gonna be back in the natural. come on man come on come man. on man in general and i'm only saying this on the precedent of the tunes that you know herbie tunes and things like that more yep. more modern stuff that 
have that sus sound. Yeah, stuff written in the 60s, you know, more modern. 70s sometimes, <laughs> buddy. Uh, number five, half diminished. How does they work? How does they work? <laughs> um, okay, half diminished. This is something that I struggled with, just like I think most people, to make them sound good. Yep. Um, and so I think, you know, we're talking about navigating chord changes. So this is definitely one that we don't want to think about in isolation. We're always thinking about the progression. Where does it lie? The most obvious place for this is as a two in a two to five to a minor chord normally. Yep. So some of the techniques we talked about earlier, as far as like, even like with the Phrygian and stuff that you're thinking about over that three, six, two, five, um, kind of where you're going, that could be done with this as well, where you're thinking about maybe a Dorian or even a natural minor of the one that that two half diminished would be eventually getting to. Either that, or you could think about the Dorian from, so. Well, know, that would actually be the Phrygian too, over the two. Exactly. That's what made me think of it with, your, with the other one, right? Well, I think what I was thinking on this is there's two different scales that you, most people kind of associate with yeah. this. The first one is the more traditional, where you actually think of this as like a B minor. Yeah over or sorry b flat minor over a g yeah right and so you hear some bebop musicians play b b flat minor yeah that kind of sound yep so that would be this scale right yeah that's the locrian locrian exactly but that is also the um that's the phrygian isn't it of of e flat uh, no, because it's got that. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh, yeah. So that's the that's the seventh degree from the A flat. Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> you know, because we're in F minor, relative yep. major, A flat. Yep. Uh, and then the the Locrian. So it's the natural minor of where we're going, actually. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You could use the harmonic minor. Right. Uh, or you could use. Uh, the melodic minor sound, what people call the Locrian sharp two, which right. is the same scale, but you have a natural two yep. instead of that. Right, so the first one is G, A flat, B flat, C, D flat, E yep. flat, F, G, and the second one just has this, it's the same thing, but with an A natural. And I like using that, but I don't always like to use it at the bottom. Like that's something that I heard Herbie Hancock do where you're putting it at the top, That that, and I think about it as, well, it is the ninth. What are you talking about? Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and like all these different things we always want to think about. It's not just like when we're navigating, it's like how are we using them, like in what order on the top as part of a, a shape or as part of a scale. Like sometimes when you just play the scale, you're like, Ugh. but then you can choose those notes yeah. in a melodic way with a shape that actually works really good. Yeah. Um, but that that second one, that sharp two, that's based off of melodic minor. Yep. Which brings us to our sixth point. Yes. Don't ignore the melodic minor. No, don't hate on the melodic. And we're talking about the ascending melodic, right? Well, I'm talking about both. Oh, you're talking about both. Using both. Doesn't the, isn't the melodic minor the one that changes coming down? I'm classical, I, oh, but in, sorry. in jazz. jazz. Man. No. man, I'm such a classically trained individual. Man. You, <laughs> no. should see my, you should see the architecture I'm working on. Straight classical. I'm talking about melodic minor harmony. You know, building the Lydian dominant sound, that Locrian sharp two, the altered scale... Uh, the major seven augmented right. sharp eleven sound. Right. All those things are from melodic minor right. harmony. Yep, and that's straight up and down. Yep. And for those that don't know, that's just a major scale, but with like the flat, the minor third. Yeah, ascending melodic minor. <laughs> and then down you play. <laughs> no, don't do that. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, but off of that harmony are all those different uh, scales that you can use on a variety of changes. The Lydian dominant from that C melodic minor. That's F Lydian dominant. 
else do I have? Oh, that's that uh, Locrian scale. So like A. Uh, e flat. Whoa. Yep, I like that. All that comes from that one melodic minor. So make sure to like shed on your melodic minor stuff. Good stuff. All right, number seven. We're at number seven. Our crucial details. Sharp five versus flat 13. Thoughts? Exactly the same, <laughs> right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> not, on, not on a violin, but on a piano. No, very different. Yeah, I think of them. Often confused because they're the same note. I think of them differently because the sharp five to me implies that there's really the nine is not in play. Yep. The flat 13 implies that the nine is in play sometimes. So the sharp five is more of an augmented sound, right? Exactly. And so that really means that the regular fifth, the, tr- the, the perfect fifth is not in play. Exactly. You know? Exactly. And but the sharp 13, not necessarily. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of times for me, I mean, the only time I get into really, I mean, I think there's a certain sound and a function within progression we can talk about. But when I'm writing out chords with maybe I have a certain voicing in mind and I'm making a chart arrangement or a tune, yeah. um, if I'm a little bit confused as to which one it is, like I know that, that the note is there and it's either sharp five or a flat 13. Right, right. I'll play the fifth and see if it sounds like it's still part of what's going on. And if it does, then I know that's a flat 13. And then, and this doesn't always work, but 90% of the time. And then I'll also, the, the inverse would be play the 13th, the sixth, and see if that sounds like it shouldn't be there or if it's only a passing tone. And then you know it's a raised fifth. Totally. Now, there's ways to combine them and stuff, and there's certainly some overlap. But in general, that, I think that's the easiest way. Just do it by ear like that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I think, the, the, for me, the sharp five implies somewhat of a whole tone yep. thing. It, can, it could that's definitely speaks, speaks to me in that sense. Like a sharp five means probably a natural nine. Yeah. And a flat 13 might mean more of an altered sound. I have a question or, for you about yeah. those. Which do you think is better? Oh, easily sh- uh, sharp five. Really? No. Which is your favorite? No, I don't, I don't have a preference. <laughs> I don't have, I'm just here to serve the music. Yeah, that's I'm right. just here to serve the no, music. No, but I mean, it's all about the function and where you're going with it. I mean, and that's, you know, look, the voicing could be exactly the same. But if you talk about the function and then you add in, even if you're not playing that as part of the voicing as a piano, so if you're just playing through it, you know, in terms of uh, something melodic or whatever, you're going to be able to hear the difference depending on where you're coming from, where you're going. Totally. Nice. Totally. Good stuff. All right. Well, once we, again. We got way in the weeds We nailed on that it. One. That's right. Well, it's Tuesday. It's hump day. So, you know, we, uh, is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Tuesday's not hump day, man. What it's is it? Wednesday is hump day. Oh, it's the middle of the man. week. It's a hump you got to get over. The middle of the week is technically like three and a half. There's the seven days. Okay. Whatever. The middle of the work week. Bro. Tomorrow. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Um, so we want to remind our beautiful listeners to give us a rating review. Check us out on YouTube. Shout out to YouTube, man. We're getting a lot of love over on YouTube. Um, and if you ever want to see what these wonderful voices look like, um, warning, it's not going to be as spectacular as you think, but you can go to youtube.com slash, I don't know, what is it? Hey, open studio, open studio. Just search for us. Search. You'll hear it. Search for you'll hear it. We'll we'll come up. Um, but we're reminded that we are. Our crucial, um, not our crucial, our charter sponsor is Oxford American. Yeah. And uh, for a limited time, you'll hear it. Listeners can subscribe to the Oxford American. This is a magazine. It's a literary magazine. Maybe you heard us yesterday and today talking about it, but it's a beautiful, I mean, you will be proud to have this on your coffee. Do you have a coffee table at home? I do. Okay. Yeah. So you would be proud to take one. Don't take this one. This is mine. This is the Nina Simone. Uh-huh. This is my, this is what I'm reading currently. Super hip stuff. And a lot of stuff on culture um, that I think most jazz musicians would be very, very interested in. Yeah. And like we talk about sometimes inspiration just beyond what we're talking of the nerd 
third stuff as far as the flat 13 versus sharp five. This is so important. But, you know, like the episodes when we talk about getting inspiration from art and from architecture and from literature, like this is a perfect thing to kind of broaden your scope and to take some things if you want to write a tune or whatever to, to read some of these great words, savor it. It's a quarterly magazine and we have a special for you. You'll hear it, listeners. $25 you can subscribe for your first year, I believe. That's right. Just visit OxfordAmerican.org slash YHI to get your subscription for just 25 bucks. That's right. Uh, and you know what? Have you heard about youllhearit.com? Oh, uh, well, yeah. We got a little action over got there, a little don't little we? Action. We got a little, yeah. uh, little revamp on Maybe the we should just it. talk about it tomorrow, but we'll just tell people, go check out youllhearit.com. You're going to be pleasantly surprised. You'll hear it. <laughs> <laughs>